Hello and welcome to American Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Simonson. On this episode, we talk with Jeremy and Chandler Quarles of Peach and Pine Interiors out of Nashville, Tennessee. We talk about their approach to interior design, how they got started, and the Love Where You Live podcast, which they host. We talk about their involvement in the music industry and what it's like to live in Nashville and where to get a good cup of coffee or a bite to eat. This podcast was recorded in 2019, so it's a bit of a time capsule, which is what we are doing here on American Podcast, capturing the present in hopes that it gives insight to ours and future generations. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe, and if you have the time, leave a review and follow us on social media. And now for Jeremy and Chandler Quarles. All right, well, uh, welcome to American Podcast. Great to have you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for this having is us. An honor. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your business, what you guys are doing these days. Yeah, well, we are a husband wife team that own uh, an interior design business in Nashville, Tennessee called Peach and Pine Home. Uh, Peach, we got the name from a nod to my home, which is uh, Georgia and Chandler's home, which is Texas. So I'm Georgia the Peach. Peach. Yeah. And she's the, she's the pine. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so we, we're an interior design team based in Nashville, and um, I do a lot. I'm the kind of creative side. I do a lot of the client interfacing and the actual design work and um, helping people with the the visual aspect of renovating their homes. And then Jeremy is kind of our business. We call him the business director. He helps make our company run <laughs> efficiently. So he does a lot of the business Try end to. and then um, some of the sort of logistics and project management as well for, for renovations for our clients. What are some of the projects that you've worked on most recently or are working on right now that stand out to you? Yeah, we just, um, probably one of my favorite projects that we just got a photo shoot back on and sort of revealed the end result um, is a f- full home renovation we did here in the Nashville area, um, a 1970s kind of quirky old house, um, pretty large family home on five acres. And we worked to completely remodel it from basically top to bottom and gutted kitchen, all four bathrooms and um, master bedroom and all the living spaces added on a porch. And it's but that was a really cool project because we were we got to be really close with the family. It was a long process. And so to get to see the end result was a huge deal. And right now we're working on a couple of kitchens, a master bathroom. We always have a few different kind of levels of, yeah. of projects going at once. And Today so- I started a project that's just sort of finishing touches, going into a new house and just helping with accessories and, um, and some accent furniture. But then, so it's kind of everywhere from that to whole home remodels. It just sort of depends on the, on the needs of the client. What is the living environment like in Nashville? Like what kind of homes, what kind of architecture style, how big are the lots? Like there's a big range. There is. Um, It's a hot market. This is, I think the, the official statistic is that there's around a hundred people that move to Nashville every day right now. It's just growing really fast. And so we've been here 11 years and we've seen a, ton of growth in the city but I would say I mean historically there's a lot of kind of like southern antebellum roots here there's a lot of beautiful old even like pre-civil war era homes that kind of stand out but most people don't obviously don't live in those yeah there's just a lot of there's a big range from you know 
the the pre-civil war like really beautiful homes to there's a the lot of 1920s bungalows and sort of the 20s bungalows there's area. a there's a lot of pockets of 50s and 60s ranch style houses Lots of ranches. and then with as many people as are moving here now um there's a lot of new construction going on too so there there's a pretty wide range you know over a hundred years easily can you know be seen just blocks away from each other it's pretty cool and i would say we we work a lot in the franklin area which is just south of nashville and that's like modern farmhouse central so a lot of our clients kind of come to us with um with modern farmhouse style in mind because people move here for the rolling hills and the kind of like peaceful country atmosphere even though a lot of people live in neighborhoods um but a lot of people want that farmhouse style so why are people moving to nashville what do you think the reasons are for that um Um, the food number one reason (laughs) it is a good food scene it um there's kind of two main industries here i feel like when you when you meet someone, there's a good chance they're either in the music industry or the healthcare industry. Or the are, automotive industry. Or really the automotive. Three. Yeah, yeah, there's three Nissan. There's a Nissan um, hub here. Um, Bridge uh, Bridgestone hub here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people that move here for corporate jobs. Um, a lot of people that move here for healthcare. There's a, some really large hospital networks and healthcare networks here. Um, and then music industry. I mean, a lot of our clients and friends and um, us <laughs> have roots in in the music industry. So I think there's a lot of draws here. And honestly, it's just a good lifestyle. Like there's very family a lot friendly. to do. It's very family friendly. There's a lot. And it's, it is honestly pretty trendy. There's a lot of amazing restaurants and places to go. And it's like it's it's hip, I guess, for like our demographic. But then also there's you don't have to drive far out of the city to feel like you're in peaceful, like rolling hills. And, um, it's a small town that acts like a big city has a lot of big city amenities, which is really nice. Um, but again, it's still, it only takes, you know, it takes 20 minutes to get everywhere. You know what I mean? Which is, that's getting to be not quite true with traffic now, but that's kind of the general consensus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good place. We love it. So tell me a little bit about your podcast and uh, the aim and the goals of your podcast. Yeah, uh, it's called Love Where You Live, and it is a podcast about uh, it, it aims at just kind of tips and tricks and uh, general professional advice, quote unquote, uh, from us about ways to love uh, love your home better. Yeah, and uh, it really varies the topics vary Chandler and I will talk about everything from um oh gosh I'm even blanking on things that we've done yeah I mean we've we just did an episode on hosting family and friends and like making your home a place that's welcoming to people but we've also done more practical like design design specific episodes um like for instance like current trends that are happening yes that we see happening thank you Renovation tips and tricks and our experiences with renovation. Um, small space living. Small space living. Yeah. Just organization, so, all kinds of stuff. So it's geared. It's homeowner geared. And we say it's tips and tricks for interior design. But it's also, um, it's more than that. It's 
discussing topics that help people feel more at home in their home and learn to love where they live. Well said. I like that. It's kind of a, like, here's some tips and tricks to make your place better and you don't need all the stuff. You can still love where you live. Yeah, Yeah, I know, because it is, one of the reasons that we started it is that we recognize that interior design is a luxury service. Like, however you slice it, it's it's geared toward people who have a little bit of expendable income to because not everybody can afford to hire an interior designer and we don't think it's the best choice for everybody to hire an interior designer although we think that our services are valuable we think that what we do for people is worth the money it doesn't make sense for everybody's budget and so we thought how can we offer resources and ideas and um content to to everyone even to those who may not hire us or who maybe don't even live in Nashville how can we provide resources because honestly the reason that we do what we do is we're really passionate about homes and about the like significance of the place that you live and the way that it feels not just the way that it looks I think the way that it looks matters but the way that it feels the way that other people feel when they visit you the way that your family thrives in the space that you live in. And so we thought a podcast is a good way to reach more than just our clients. Yeah. And we, we have uh, really fun interviews too. And we try to get really creative with our interviews uh, that are still all home centric, but they might have like a little bit of a twist on the home. So uh, for instance, we interviewed uh, the CEO of a, uh, of a sheets company that they, bedding, they yeah. make uh, sustainable, sustainably sourced uh, bedding materials, sheets and such. And um, it was just really interesting to talk to him about the uh, really the home decor industry and uh, and how he in particular is passionate about s- sustainability and creating more sustainable products within uh, within that industry. And so that's, you know, it's not necessarily a tip or a trick about loving your home better, but it is just sort of an interesting take on the idea of home and it's still home centric. And so we just, we try to pull some of those in, uh, as well to up the intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Talk to somebody who started an app for tool rental that allows people It's like Uber for tools. It allows people to rent tools within their community and talked about how that you know, how that can impact people who are renovating their homes and stuff like Talk that. Talk to musicians who like Live make, life on make the road. home on the road and how that, and how that sort of works. It's all, I love our interviews. Yeah. Fun. We talked to a, yeah, some people that live in New York city, actually are my sister and brother-in-law and they live in a very small apartment and how do they maximize their space? And so all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's cool. So what are some tips and tricks that you could have for someone on limited income? That, that can't hire Chip and Joe to come and remodel their house. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if they're just, you know, got a maybe even just less than $100, but mm. they want to up the ante of their home or just make it more welcoming for themselves and friends. We actually did an episode on... Um, five. I th- was it five? I don't remember. I think it was top five high impact purchases is what we called it. Yeah. I would say if you have, if you have only $100 to spend... Rather than going, like, pick a room. First of all, pick the most important room in your house. Start there. Start small. You don't have to tackle everything at once. Maybe start with your living space or your kitchen. Um, and 
figure out what like maybe one or two high impact items you can purchase, whether it's maybe a rug or some big art, something that takes up space. Um, or maybe it's paint or maybe it's paint, but yeah, like really assess the situation rather than, I think what a lot of people do is they have a hundred dollars. So they run to target and they buy like 20 things for $5 each. And then they end up with 20 tiny things that don't actually make a big difference in the way that the room looks. And so rather than buying a bunch of small things, take a look at the room as a whole and figure out maybe one or two high impact things that you can do to make it a paint is an awesome one. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's the best place to start. And that's a big one to make a, it makes a high impact just visually because it totally changes the feel of a room. And especially if, especially if you don't like the paint color, then that's a no brainer. Yeah. I would say um, paint curtains, rugs, art and art. What's yeah. a room that you would recommend tackling first? Probably, probably living room. Probably your living room. Yeah. Because I mean, kitchens, if you use it, I kitchens mean, are the heart of the home. So, but kitchens are expensive. So usually kitchen changes are expensive. So I would say start in your living room just because it is where most people experience your living room. I mean, bedroom's important, but it's pretty much you and your husband. You or could do that or, or whatever. Or you could take the approach of, you know, which what space is, uh, you know, not bothers you the most, but which which space makes you feel the most down about the way that it currently is. Yeah. And sometimes that's a good place to know where to start too, because you're trying to relieve the pain points in your life, uh, surrounding your home. And so if you can identify which rooms in particular, those are, that can be a good indicator of where you want to start. That's a great, uh, segue into like, how do our homes affect our lifestyles or how do they affect our mood Hmm. or emotion or our relationships? Do you have any thoughts on that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we do what we do. Yeah. I think the home is so central. I mean, and one of the things that, I mean, especially we have a a son, he's um, just a year old, so he doesn't even know the difference between our home and any other home at this point. But, um, but I think having a kid amplified the fact for me that the spaces we live in have an impact on not only us, but on the people around us. I think when you live in a home that you love, you feel more at peace when you finish the end of your day. It just like, there's just brain space that is, that can be freed up whenever you're coming into a space that you feel comfortable in. I think relationships are better, like family relationships, whenever the home feels like peaceful and put together and like a place that everybody feels comfortable. And I think you're more willing to, invite people in whenever you love the space you live in. You're more willing, you feel more excited to have game nights, to have people over, to you meet somebody random, you know, at at dinner one night and you invite them over to your house. And I think it just fosters community. And that I one thing that I'm also passionate about is it doesn't have to be perfect. That doesn't mean that your house has to look like a magazine um, to, for it to be a space that you love to live in. I think we can all take baby steps to make our house somebody something that's that we love a little bit more. I think it's a place that's worth investing in because I think it just really I know I'm highly affected by the spaces that I'm in. Totally. Um and your home should be the place that you decompress at the end of the day, that you're should able be to where be you feel most at peace. Most at peace. Yeah. Most able to thrive and love your family well and 
yeah, build community and be generous with that space. And if there are, you know, places in your home or, or rooms in your home or your home doesn't make you feel at peace, then you're, you're going to be, uh, less likely to kind of foster that community. And it's, it's, uh, it's a much bigger deal than people think. And gosh, I feel like we have enough stressors in our life, like in, yeah in modern times, like there's so many things that that are stressful and that are difficult and life is just hard. It just is. And so if, if we can create like space in our homes to breathe and to let go and to be ourselves and not to feel like stressed by the environment that we're in, then it just makes, makes things run a little smoother. And, and you know what, what I noticed too is there are times whenever I go into a client's house and Ultimately, I can't help but imprint some of my personal style into a client design just because it kind of it just naturally flows out of me. But sometimes I'll walk into a client's home and they'll show me a room that they absolutely love. And that room doesn't necessarily look like it belongs in Southern Living, but they love it. And that's what matters. And so I think we have to get away from just thinking it ha- everything has to be Pinterest perfect. And I say that as a designer who's trying to help people have immaculately beautiful spaces and I love creating spaces that are like magazine worthy and I like living in a house that that kind of feels that way but I don't think that's for everybody I think it's more about creating an environment where you love where you live (laughs) um whatever that means for you yeah (laughs) I saw your social media post about I think it was Quebec City yeah and you're saying something about like you don't have to look to Pinterest for uh, inspiration. What are some of the places that you do look to for inspiration or maybe philosophies or different people that inspire you, what you do? I feel like what my social media post was about was I feel like so many times, first of all, I love Pinterest and I love social media and I love the access that we have in 2019 to, um, to so much inspiration and to seeing what other people are doing. I think it's great. But I also think that sometimes we can get in this trap of just kind of copying each other and um, just looking at what other people's houses look like and then just trying to emulate that exactly without really thinking about what we want and so and what makes us happiest. And so um, what I mentioned is, and one thing I love to do with clients is whenever I'm coming into a house and they say, I just don't like the way this feels because usually people come to us because they want change. Obviously they come and they say, I've lived in this house for five years and it just doesn't feel like home or I'm, I just really don't like this room or it feels off and I can't figure out why it feels off. And so a lot of times I just say, okay, think about somewhere that, that you've been or that you've, um, that, you know, that you have in your memory bank that you loved the way you felt in that space. And sometimes it's like a city, like, oh man, I went to, I don't know, Seattle and that I just love the way I feel when I'm in Seattle or um, I love the lake is my happy place or when I'm at the beach, I feel, you know, the most at peace. And so a lot of times I ask my clients, like, where are places that, in, or my grandma's kitchen, like I, every time I went, you know, to visit my grandma when I was growing up that her kitchen just made me feel at home. And so I feel like I can, I feel like we can take 
inspiration from the places that make us feel at home and not just from pictures in a magazine or pictures on Pinterest. And so I start with that a lot of times with my clients as like a a starting point um, to say, okay, well, what is it about that that you loved? Like, what is it about? Is it the colors of the Pacific Northwest that like you just love those deep, rich blues and greens and or is it, you know, what is it about the beach? Is it the light and the brightness and the and so some it 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 can mean a lot of different things for a lot of people, but I think thinking about things that have places that have made you feel at home can be a good starting place for figuring out how you want your home to feel. Does that sound good? Is that right? Sounds great. <laughs> Keep going. It sounds kind Keep of going. Kind of sounds a little woo woo, like ex, like oh, just imagine. It is just a different take on the way a lot of people do it, though, and and you're really good at being able to kind of translate what your clients are saying to you yeah. in those moments into uh, a really like unique and creative design. It's one of the things that you're that you're great at. Yeah. I think I, I'm a why person. I think that's true. It drives him crazy. I'm, I'm always, and I think I've been that way since I was like, could talk. Um, but like, oh, this is how it is. Well, why is it that way? Oh, this is what I think. Well, why do you think that? And so even with my clients and with design and some, cause somebody will say, I just love white walls. Okay. Well, why do you love white walls? And a lot of times people don't know why they like white walls, but it's, oh, it's, I, I love the feeling of clean and, um, uncluttered and okay, well, that's a great, that's great information. Like, let's take that information. And that informs a lot of your other design decisions, even past Exactly. You know, white walls. Yeah. And so really digging down to the the why people are drawn to certain things is really important in the design process. Or why not? Like sometimes people will say like, I can't decorate with blue. Like I hate blue. You know, I've, I've actually never had somebody say that. But people will say like, I can't stand XYZ or I don't feel comfortable with XYZ. And okay, why? Well, let's figure out why. And that helps inform, yeah, a lot of other decisions. So I think, I think everyone can do that. Well, in a lot of areas of life, but definitely in their home to say, this room doesn't feel right to me. Okay, well, why? Let's figure that out and go from there. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty interesting looking at how we build our lives based on social media, you know, and how we design our homes based on social media. Totally. Do you have people come to you saying, I want things to look like this person's house or like this certain style or celebrity? Do you see any trends in that way? Um. I've definitely gotten the fixer. I get lots of fixer upper references. Um, actually, not as much anymore. I not guess because the anymore. show's not. Maybe because the show's not airing, or maybe because not in current production. Current, in, yeah, current production. But um, yeah, certainly sometimes people come with like a picture and say, "I this is what I envision." And again, I go back to the why. I'm like, okay. It's a beautiful house. I love it. Why do you like that picture? And we kind of go from there. But I I do think in some ways social media gives people a false impression of what is possible just because things it's a lot more work, especially with renovation. It's a lot more work to get there than people maybe realize. And so that's part of our job too is to like be the tour guide and say, okay, I love that you want your kitchen to look like this. Here's what it's going to take to get there and here's how much money it's going to cost. Let's unpack that a little bit. Like when I watch Fixer Upper, like I can, I like they they buy the home, you know, they design the home, they rebuild it, 
I go and get a coffee, I come back, and then it's all done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, what's the reality of remodeling a home? Like, what's the timeline of something like that? And, <sighs> like, how much work does that take? Oh, man. More than 30 minutes, I'll tell you yeah. that. Um, and, and we're big Fixer Upper fans. I'm not yeah. trying to, like, knock that or HGTV or, at all or anything. There's a place for it, and I think Chip and Joanna Gaines are awesome. Great. But- yeah. Great, great, lovely people. <laughs> um but HGTV does kind of give, make things difficult on our end sometimes because it does set unrealistic expectations because people sit down and watch the show and say, okay, well, we can do a whole home remodel with, uh, with no issues for <laughs> a really low budget and it'll be done by the time I go and grab my coffee and get back in my seat. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's just not the case. The remodels really just have a wide range of timelines. timelines. I mean, we just finished one that took over a year. Uh, we can do, you know, single rooms and much, you know, less time. Obviously if somebody's just doing their kitchen uh, or a bathroom, it might be a month or two. Uh, so it really just depends on the remodel, how much, um, how much of a remodel is, is doing that. Are you ripping down to studs and completely rebuilding? Or are you just changing out, furnishings and fixtures so it, it really is kind of a a wide range of of timelines and and budgets and but i would say one thing that we run into quite a bit and have noticed working with clients is um especially in remodels one thing that's nice about fixer upper is the clients go away and they can't they're not allowed to see the house well, and they're not they're finished. not living in it because they're not they're living do, they're in flipping it. the whole yeah. thing yeah and they're and they're not allowed to see it till the end and then they see the final production you know the final picture at the end and i also i always notice too i feel like they always show on every episode at least a fixer upper they'll show them calling the client with one problem like they'll like yeah. pick one problem like oh the we need to add an extra support beam in the ceiling or whatever it is. And then one of the chip or Joe, one of them calls and says, Oh, hi, sir. We need to add an extra support. beam. it's going to be an extra $3,000. And the other person says, sure. Great. And then they move on. And I'm sure that, I mean, I know that there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, and, and there might, there's a lot of times on a remodel, there's 10 issues, not one, you know? And I think, a lot of times in real life, people are living in the midst of it there. In fact, I walked, I went over to a client's kitchen remodel the other day and she was like, let me show you how we're cooking right now. And she walks me into her laundry room with like a microwave and, um, and a mini fridge and because their kitchen's remodeled. And so they're, they don't have a kitchen for a couple of months. And so, um, that's the real life part of it. And if you're living in the middle of it, you see, we, we say like, Nobody wants to see how the sausage gets made. <laughs> and that's the truth. Like you see. But everybody loves sausage. But everybody loves sausage. You just don't want to see how it gets made. And so that that's the truth of a remodel is when you're living in the middle of it, you have to expect that there are things that go wrong. It's not always pretty. It's messy. Um, the end result is going to be awesome if you have the right team in place. But it takes a lot of patience, a lot yeah. of courage, can be very tiring and um, discouraging at times, but when you see those after photos, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. When you're living in it, when you're living in it. Yeah. Do you see the, the fixer upper remodeling thing? Do you see that as a uniquely American thing? 
Hmm. Um, are you, have you ever thought of that? You know, I, ha- I, I haven't know. really thought of it, yeah. to be honest. I mean, there. I would doubt that there's really enough. Uh, I mean, with America being one of the wealthiest countries in the world, the wealthiest country in the world, I would assume that if there are other countries that are able to do that on as mass a scale as we do here, um, it would be very few countries. Yeah. And we have traveled internationally um, quite a bit. Quite a bit. And... You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know, because I feel question. like there are a lot of, there's, I mean, especially we've done quite a bit of Europe travel. People are always, I don't even know if remodeling is the right word, but people live in much older homes <laughs> in Europe there's than we do here. preservation. And so preservation, yeah, yeah, preservation, exactly. restoration. And that's part of their history, and that's something that they're so proud of. And that's part of the charm of, Europe. Yeah. So it's, it just, I think it just looks a little bit different. Yeah. But I do think I certainly have never noticed as many Home Depots and Lowe's and like huge, you know. I mean, Ikea is everywhere. But Ikea is everywhere. That's true. Thank, but I do think, thank goodness. I do think it's part of the American dream. I think, you know, the kind of cliche American dream, our cat is in the picture right now. Um, our cliche American dream is that, you know, that everyone owns a piece of land, white picket fence house to call their own and so i think there there's something kind of ingrained in the american story about like home is a really big part of that i even think about like immigrants who came you know who've come over time like the idea of having a home in america what a cool dream so i I do i think it's i think it's part of the fabric of our society for sure Let's talk about where you guys came from, like how you got into doing the remodeling thing. Um, what brought you to Nashville originally? Yeah, we uh, both came here separately to attend school at um, Belmont University here in Nashville. And uh, we met first day of of class. We were in the same like orientation group and uh, became friends uh, started dating kind of the, our second year, or I guess our, our freshman year, but at once once the new year came and uh, ended up getting married right out of college is the short version of the meeting and getting married story. Um, we both went to Belmont to pursue other things than interior design or business. Um, I was an audio engineering major uh, in school and a music classical piano minor. Chandler was a music major. She majored in vocal performance and minored in PR. Mm-hmm. And so when we graduated, we went into the music industry. I was working at a, a sound company here in Nashville and, uh, with, with audio engineering being my background and, uh, Chandler was working at a record label in marketing. Ultimately, she moved into the radio promotion side of of the label where she was um, calling and meeting with radio stations across the country, pitching their artists' songs. She would go out on radio tours and tour with artists, some um, working on getting their newest music played on the radio. And I was going on the road with artists playing all their music in, concerts, yeah. in their concerts, um, 
doing sound and road managing, which is, um, something that I still, that I still do now. Um, and really became, that's where my passion in the music industry really flourished was, uh, was road managing, handling logistics of tours, um, handling personnel on tours. And so we did that for a long time. And, uh, ultimately Chandler found that her passion was not in the music industry. Uh, she's a very creative person, obviously, uh, majoring in vocal performance at Belmont, uh, for a while thought that she was going to be a recording artist had put out a couple albums and, um, ultimately decided that was not the outlet that, um, she wanted to pursue or that she felt called to pursue. And, uh, eventually interior design became the creative outlet that she discovered was her calling. So do you want to, do you want to yeah. pick up the story? This has been interesting. I'm uncomfortable. I've talked in so much. Well, right now. I know this is a long time for you. Um, you can tell which of us is typically the, the chattier one. Um, no, we, we do the 80, 20 rule where she talks 80% and I talk 20%. And I don't know that I've ever heard great. you like tell my career story. So How'd I do? Interesting. Good. Yeah, nailed it, right? I nailed it. Um, yeah, so we bought I, I feel like right out of college I was kind of having a little bit of a, you know, young twenties professional crisis going, what am I doing with my life? What do I want to do? I don't think I want to do music for a living. Um, we bought our first house and it was an it was a nineteen fifties ranch and it needed a little bit of love. It was it didn't need a full remodel, but it needed a lot of cosmetic updating. And when we bought that house, I just, I discovered like this, I think deep seated, not yet uncovered passion for interior design um, that I think I'd always had. And I look back in my life and realize I'd always had, but I didn't ever consider it as a career. And um, I just started spending every spare minute I had when I wasn't at my office doing my actual job. Um, I spent so much time working on that house and I started pulling Jeremy into projects and um, had all these crazy ideas for let's build a wall here. Let's take this down. Let's change this. Let's redo our countertops. Let's do all these things. And um, so he started getting pretty handy and I just started falling in love with interiors and um, it up, probably a year into spending almost all of my time working on our house, I realized I would, I started having friends ask me, I was blogging, I was sharing what we were doing on social media, had a very small following, but enough that friends and family started taking note and asking me to help with projects. And um, so slowly started hiring me. I started charging little bits here and there and realized, I think I might be able to make a living at this. And, um, just poured myself into learning everything I could about the interior design industry um, and talking to other designers. I started working with another designer in the Nashville area, just learning from her, working on some of her projects. It got to the point where I was able to quit my other job to do this full time and um, have just kind of like worked as hard as I could to, to build a, a business that I'm proud of and, a service for clients that we're proud of. And so we started the business officially three and a half years ago in May of 2016 and Chandler, uh, quit her record label job and, uh, she finished up in June of 2017. So it's been just over 
just about two and a half years of, of her being full time. And, uh, I came on full time in June. So I'm going June on of 2019, 2019. Yeah. So I'm, we're going on six months now of me yeah. being full time. Yeah. So we always started it. As you mentioned at the beginning, our name peach and pine home is both of us combined Jeremy's roots and my roots. So it always was something that was the two of us together. We've always worked really well together. Even when we were dating, we just kind of naturally like worked together. We, our music, like my music stuff was always us together. He was my producer. Um, And so it just was a natural outflow. He's so handy that a lot of my projects required him to be accomplished whenever we were first starting. And so it was always us, but he had both feet full on in tour managing and was traveling so much that he wasn't able to really invest in the business in the way that it needed to grow. And so in earlier this year, we decided let's pull the plug and really do this thing. So how's that been? Interesting. (laughs) No, it's been, it's been awesome. It's, it's really difficult in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there's definitely a weight that goes along with, uh, you know, an entrepreneurial venture that is now both of our main source of income. And so there is definitely that weight there, but again, it's something that we really strongly feel called to and that we feel is, uh, is the right thing for us to be doing and what God wants us to be doing. And, uh, and so until that changes, then that's, that's what we go for. Yeah. It's been a learning curve, figuring out how to work together and how to work effectively while also parenting a toddler and, um, just kind of the life balance is, is an interesting dynamic, but it's something we're still working on actively, but it's been so rewarding also to be doing this together and to be on kind of like to have the same mission and vision. And, um, and I, I look, I see now, I don't think, I don't think we could get our company. Like we have so many hopes and dreams and like long-term pipe dreams for, for this business. And I couldn't do it without Jeremy. I think I would have just stopped. So in it for the long haul at this point. (laughs) There's a huge story right here. Like of you guys Mm. like working together, you know, since you first met through college and then now doing this together. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like how it just was, it's, we really are just wired that way as a couple. I don't. Even in college, I would always, you know, when she was singing, I would always play piano or guitar, and I I produced at least one. I probably did. I produce both, both of records. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, and, just the first one. Just kidding. You played on the second one. Right. So anyway, but always involved with you know her music and um, it's just always worked. It's not highly recommended for everyone. That's for sure. Yeah. It's but, it's our personalities balance each other out well for for working together it's a good vibe to take it back a little bit what is it like to come to nashville and learn about nashville and be in college in nashville and and be around the scene and all that like what is that what was that experience like for you guys well again uh going back to how awesome we think nashville is (laughs) i mean 
it was a great place to be in college and a great place to really learn who we are and to grow up uh, a lot, which you do in college, hopefully. And yeah, I mean, we just, we loved it. I didn't come here in the same way that a lot of people do because a lot of people come to Nashville wanting the Nashville dream and wanting to wanting to be the star and wanting to make it in the music industry and come and, you know, they'll wait, wait tables and do whatever they have to do just to be able to get that chance. Um, you know, the way people talk about the Nashville dream and that, that wasn't me. I really just felt like Nashville was the place that I was supposed to be. And, um, just studying, getting my education, making connections, um, you know, meeting, meeting the people that I, that I needed to meet. And, um, you know, for me, I I loved my college experience at Belmont. I thought Nashville was an awesome place to, to live. And obviously, cause we've stayed and we, we've been here and we, we call it home now for sure. I mean, I did come kind of thinking it's interesting. Like I, I really thought I was going to be a recording artist and that's what I wanted to do. And, um, I can say that without any like sadness at this point, cause I just don't even want it anymore. So my perspective changed a lot over time. Um, but I came here with that dream and I think whenever Jeremy started touring full time, I quickly realized I wouldn't even call it disillusionment. I just realized that wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. And so my perspective for my personal career changed a lot. Um, I didn't want to have to tour. I didn't want to have to, you know, rough it in a 12 passenger van and then eventually move up to a bus. Like I just didn't, that wasn't, I realized it's not the life I wanted. It's such an admirable pursuit, but was not, I just wasn't wired for it. And so um, my like perspective on the music industry changed a lot from the time I was in college until a few years afterward. But I still loved, I still love, loved and love Nashville and the music scene and the creativity here. And I would say as small business owners, it's an awesome place to be because it's a super entrepreneurial town. Um, a lot of our friends are entrepreneurs or small business owners or musicians to where kind of like flexible schedules and unusual work environments are par for the course. Um, It's a great place to be creative and to have a dream. Can you uh, maybe individually like tell me a little bit about what your, your role, because a lot of listeners don't know what you guys did. So it might be really interesting for people to learn about that facet of the music industry. Oh, sure. The music industry. Yeah. Um, So I, I had, a, I had a vocal performance degree. So I um, studied music in college with the intention of being a songwriter and a recording artist. So I released a couple of of EPs, short albums, um, and wrote a lot of songs and kind of thought that's what I was going to do. But while I was in college, I got an internship at a record label. So I, um, as part of my public relations minor, so I was in a mar- the marketing department at a record label um, and worked with a lot of artists, Christian music industry. So a lot of Christian artists, um, helping market their records. And then that internship turned into a part-time job while I was still in school. And then it turned into a full-time job as a marketing manager whenever I graduated. And then I was there for six years actually. And a few years after I 
started, I um, moved to the radio department. So I was a radio promotions manager, promotions manager. Was that my title? I think yeah. So. Um, so basically, and this is, this could be a whole, uh, this could be a long conversation. So I'll cry, try to keep it brief. Let's, let's don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically um, my job, as I think Jeremy mentioned earlier, was I talked to radio. I had a list of like, I don't remember 50 radio stations or something that I called on a weekly basis um, to pitch the, the artists that we had on our label to pitch their latest songs and try to convince the stations to add them to their playlist. Because the, the stations only have a certain roster that they're allowed to yeah, a certain spin number at of, once. Yeah, of so. spinning songs. And, um, and so I was basically sales. I was basically, it was kind of yeah, a sales position. Totally. And um, then I also went out with artists to do promotional tours. So when they would have a new single come out, I would take the artists on, I would plan the radio promo tour and then take them on the road to meet stations around the country and do interviews and um, take the stations out to dinner and all that stuff. So um, it was basically a sales position for other people's songs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I started working in audio at a sound company where uh, we would send gear and people out to do concerts and tours and conferences and anything that has sound we would go and do. Uh, and that's where I got a lot of my uh, training on the road on the technical side. Uh, and then as I was doing that, um, I, I enjoy the technical side fine, but I really found that I love the, the personal side of touring even more. And uh, I had a a friend who asked me to fill in as a road manager one weekend. Um, and I said, sure, I, I don't really know how to do that, but if you kind of give me the lowdown, then I can, I'm sure it's, it's fine. <laughs> and, uh, I went out on the road and, uh, road managed that weekend and also mixed and just decided, you know, this is, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed handling the logistics. I enjoyed the personal relationship between me and the artist and being able to meet their needs and, um, really provide them with the things that they need to um, perform excellently. And so uh, I started pursuing that and I started intentionally making the switch uh, from a sound guy that could also road manage to being a road manager who could also do sound. And uh, and that's kind of where I'm at now. My My primary role... Uh, with the artists that I still work with, um, which I do still go out on tour kind of on the side um, of what we're doing at Peach and Pine. But uh, my primary role role with those artists is road manager. So I take care of day-to-day logistics on the road. I I plan once the tours are um, contracted and routed, then I kind of take that routing and I I'm in contact with all the promoters and the people putting on the shows and just making sure that they're ready for us to come in and do our show and give them a heads up of who's coming and what we're doing, what we're bringing, what they need to provide and all that. Uh, And just really on the front end, making sure that we're all on the same page with what's happening and then going on the road, executing that plan day of show, um, doing all the travel and all that as well. And so that's, yeah, that's my role uh, now on the road is road managing. And I often uh, still do mix for for artists that I work with as well uh, when we're out. 
and because uh, it's kind of a one-stop shop sort of deal over here. And he's awesome at what he does. He's really good. Well, side note. Thanks from yeah. my wife. In a way, you guys, I feel like you guys kind of bring that that coordination aspect and maybe that sales aspect into what you're doing. Oh now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for sure, Jeremy uses his logistics brain in our business, and the t- a lot of the tour managing stuff kind of transfers over to what we do for clients for sure. And I'm sure a lot of systems, the systems, that's really the thing kind of as business director, which is my official title. (laughs) Um, and when I'm road managing, I'm trying to have things as streamlined as possible. I have a process that I go through. I have emails that automatically send to people at different times and they have forms that they fill out and it does all sorts of weird things. I love that stuff. And that's something that I'm trying to bring, to our business is just how can we streamline our processes to make a really consistent product that we're delivering to our clients because really people want to pay for consistently and consistency and getting a really consistently great product. And so what's the best way that we can accomplish that? So that's, you know, part of what I'm trying to do here now. I had one little tidbit I wanted to ask. If there's any trends out there right now that drive you crazy or <laughs> any home design things that you wish would just disappear. We just went to market, which is a, um, it's like furniture market. It's where all the like newest, latest and greatest showrooms all showcase their newest stuff that's coming into style. And, uh, one thing that I saw there a lot that I didn't really love was all upholstered arms and legs of like chairs and ottomans and stuff. It's very strange. Like think of a bench that's like an upholstered bench seat, but then also like all the legs and supports are also upholstered. Oh, I like that. Well, he hasn't asked you yet. You can answer <laughs> yours in a second. <laughs> It's really not like it's really not that bad, but just and when you think, see it, yeah, it's, it's just not kind a of mainstream trend yet. But not yet. But yeah. I mean, I think we saw it enough there to say it's they're trying to at least make it a trend. If it'll yeah. catch on, who knows? But yeah. there was enough of it there to be like, oh, that they're trying to make that a thing. Yeah, I think. Are there any current trends like that we see in clients' houses that you're tired of? I mean, I don't want to get myself in trouble by saying things that we have done oh it's okay i mean uh i i do i enjoy seeing like just like bright white spaces um but for me bright white's a little bit boring and uh i don't i don't mind us doing spaces that are that are bright and white but something that you are really good about doing is putting i think like statement either color or texture um i mean even you know even black or you know just something that is that catches your eye beyond just being like oh that's a bright white room our whole living room is bright white and dining room i know but we have like the pink rug yeah it's true pink rug is like a strong like that's really not the right visual it's it's like a persian rug that has like pinks pinks and blues and stuff but that's what i'm saying is like yeah, all of our walls are white, are white, but you have a big, not neutral rug yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Or we have our big, um, like 
painted card catalog that's on the wall that's yeah. you know kind of a statement piece like i i like that stuff yeah. I, I do like the clean lines and the white and bright but i don't like it to only be white and bright yeah i agree i think all that to say like if, if there are things i have in my house that i loved five years ago and i'm not going to just replace them right now but as i look forward to future trends i think some of the farmhouse stuff is a little bit um like ready for a refresh, even shiplap. Shiplap can be used in really good ways, but I think it might have been overdone for a little while. So I think people are scaling back a little bit. Um, those all those things can still be used, yeah, effectively. I, yeah, it's I think they still can be beautiful, but just has to be used intentionally. Intentionally, not everywhere. Yeah. Okay. If I were to come to Nashville for the weekend, are there some spots that I should go to for sure? Oh, so many. Oh, man. Where to even begin? I know. Like restaurant? Are you thinking restaurants? Are you thinking? Like a restaurant, like a hangout place, coffee shop. Oh, coffee shop. Oh, there's so many good coffee shops. Okay. Well, if you want to hit them all in one, Pinewood Social. Yes. It's downtown. It's a, it's, it's really a social club, but there is a coffee shop in the front that is uh, Crema Coffee, which is a standalone coffee shop just down the street, but it's amazing coffee and they have a location in Pinewood. And then once you are past the coffee shop, it's just like an open seating kind of restaurant slash bar lounge. Yeah. They have like a huge area. The food there is amazing. Really, really great. They have really great drinks. And then in the back of the um, building is like a retro bowling alley. And so they have all the neon, they have a maybe five four or five lanes back there you can it's uh, full service like full you service water yeah you there. can you can eat back there drink back there whatever and then they also on the side of the building have uh like an open air patio but they have uh, a bocce ball court they have ping pong they have a bunch of kind of like outdoor sort of seating areas seating areas waiting and pools in the summer you can like you can get yeah get in the water go for a dip <laughs> i mean it's like it's a really kind of like a wild place and it overlooks downtown nashville i mean you look out the front and you're not wild in the sense like wild and crazy no no no, no. just like whoa this is different. there's so much here there's yeah. so much here yeah not they have wild like board crazy. games everywhere yeah lots of board games um right yeah right in the heart of downtown nashville it's a very it's very instagrammable very cool place take a picture. yeah very pinterest worthy yeah that's a good, that's a great spot. I, it's like, I think very popular for locals, but maybe not on everybody's tourist radar. Um, that hits coffee, food, and hangs. Yeah. That's, that's a, a good, good one. Yeah. I would say, I would, I just always tell people who are coming to Nashville for the first time, make sure you go down to Broadway because that's like all the honky tonks, honky tonks. That's what broad, that's what Nashville is known for, but don't only do Broadway. Um, because, as locals, we avoid it at all costs because it's so touristy. Unless we're going to a Preds game. Yeah, um, or the Ryman or something. But um, it is it is worth seeing, but it's not all that Nashville has to offer. So go to the Gulch, eat. There's lots of great restaurants in the Gulch. Um, East Nashville has a lot of great food and coffee. Um, and 12 South is fun, although that's becoming very touristy too, although I still love it. but um, Too many... So many good spots. Lots of great, if you like history, there's lots of great historical uh, tours and things to do as well. But 
if you like country music, the Country Music Hall of Fame is actually a really cool it is a good museum. tourist attraction. Yeah. Um, the Ryman is worth touring. Yeah. We could make a long list of restaurants. We, that one I will not tackle right now. And we don't even know. I mean, so many new ones are coming to town. We haven't even we haven't even tried the newest things. I know. We're behind. We're old people now. We're old with a child. <laughs> well, it was great talking with you guys. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's fun. How can we find you online, your social media and your website and all that? Yeah, we are at Peach and Pine Home on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, the podcast also has a Facebook and Instagram page. Just love where you live podcast. Uh, our website is peachandpinehome.com. And you can see our work there. We have our podcast pages housed there. So you can check out the podcast there. We have a blog we put out. Um, just more weekly kind of tips and tricks or we do a lot of kind of our favorite shopping lists or client reveals we're always doing you know every week we're doing that as well so there's really a lot of content coming out from the website so be sure to check it out and say hello on Instagram and we'll say hello back yeah Thank you for joining us for this episode of American Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, check out the other episodes, and leave a review. Feel free to reach out and follow us on social media. If you feel so inclined, you can leave us a tip at venmo.com slash Shane Simonson or become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Shane Simonson. Any support is appreciated. Thank you for listening. This is Shane Simonson signing off until next time.